So let's start with a very serious question. Does love at first sight exist? Look, this might disappoint you, my answer, but I don't think it does. I think attraction at first sight, absolutely. I think there's got to be a visceral response there. But I think that love grows over time when you get to know the whole person rather than surface level. I think that passion in the early days, I mean, we've seen Married at First Sight, haven't we? We've seen all of that trashy TV to know that there's obviously got to be an instant connection as the first thing but I think that there's so much more to a person and don't we all just put on a front when we first meet people there is that little bit of a mask that we wear so I think if we fall in love at first sight are we falling in love um or are we just you know hey I'm Garrett and I'm Daniel and this is Modern Gaze on today's episode we have Australia's leading marriage celebrant Megan Watson joining us she has over 15 years of experience marrying all different types of couples from all backgrounds and gender identities we're going to talk about all things wedding and the do's and don'ts as well as how to break out of the stereotypical traditions to create the wedding of your dreams thank you so much for having me i'm i'm really excited to chat all things wedding with you we were instantly attracted to your personality and your warmth and your energy, and the energy that you had with the couples. And also just, it, it just, it was an instant kind of feeling that you were family or like that you, we known each other for a long time. And mm-hmm. we felt the same way with our wedding photographer, Katie Harmsworth. And mm-hmm. it felt like we had the right people around us. Yeah. And I think that was a thing for all of our vendors. Like you, when you're choosing your vendors mm-hmm. for your special day, you just... You're drawn to them. I feel like you just know. It's tough though. Lots of people are overwhelmed by that. If Because, you know, if you haven't planned a wedding before, how do you choose a vendor? How do you pick up on someone's energy? How, how do you do that? What do you look for? And you've just answered it yourselves by saying you just know. Mm. You just kind of know that if that person feels right, then it is right for you. I mean, photographers, celebrants, we can say all the nice things or take gorgeous photos. But if you don't connect with the person, connection's what it's all about. Mm-hmm we're celebrating your connection. So we all need to have a connection as well. And you can't fake that stuff. I think that's very easy to see through. Yeah. Yeah. And when you do choose with your heart, with your gut and follow your intuition and like just the vibe, you know, I think that you feel very trusting in the moment because it's very overwhelming emotionally, like Mm -hmm. in the process of planning a wedding as well as on the day and going through all of the motions of the day. And it's just like, everything is heightened in the most beautiful way, but also you're quite vulnerable in front of mm-hmm. potentially hundred people who are, who are watching hundreds. you or sometimes hundreds. We actually needed your warmth, your calm nature, because in the seconds of walking down the aisle, we had discovered that we left our rings back at the hotel <laughs> that we were staying at. So we had no rings to get married with. And it was hot on that day and people were already sitting in the hot sun for about 40 minutes, like waiting for the ceremony to start. (laughs) And I think you had popped your head out and we were like, how are you feeling? And we're like, we have no rings. We have no rings. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember... You just, without like a beat, actually, you just were very calm and walked us through what to do and what what's going to happen next. And even like the second walking down the aisle, forgot mm-hmm. that we didn't have the rings. And you were definitely a big part of that feeling for us to just know that we were in good hands. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that, I can't even tell you, that just means the world to me. Often when people are planning their wedding, that's the last thing they're going to think about, right? Like how how are we all going to respond in a crisis or what, what do we do if this happens? We're thinking of all the happy, positive stuff. But mm-hmm. that's what I think that you hire professionals for is because they can think on their feet and do those sorts of things. So, I mean, I, I remember hearing that from you and going, okay, what do we do? All right, it's cool. I mean, in my mind, it's not a legal requirement. So mm-hmm. I've kind of instantly gone to, you know, a ring is a nice to have, but not a need to have. Exactly. So we can we can make this work. Okay, so dating to married... How do you get there? Oh, well, I've heard so many stories over the journey. And I think that, again, at personality type, some people are just wanting to get married and that's their their end goal. And some people need never to be married and they will quite happily live as partners forever. So I do think, though, that having aligned goals, having a shared vision, having things that just seem to fit and work, and therefore being married presents this safe home for people to then go and conquer the world. For some, it's more important than others, but I think that that would be how you would go from A to B. I remember when we were going through our questionnaire with you, one of the questions you sprung onto us was, why do you want to get married? Yes. And I literally was taken back for a second because it was like, no one has ever really asked you that question of why do you want to get married? Because it's kind of always this, like you said, it's an end goal. It's a next step. It's a traditional kind of phase of your life, right? You go from dating Mm. to getting married to starting the next chapter. And I think that there is a really deep significance to that wedding day and that special moment of when you say I do. Isn't it such a simple question? Mm -hmm. And it is the number one question. The first question on my questionnaire that I ask all of my couples that are getting married because I never want to assume that people are getting married for society reasons or whatever we assume what marriage to be. Correct. So that's a really great jumping off point for me to learn about my couples. Mm. I remember everyone laughing during our ceremony when you caught out, I love chips and Gary loves ice cream. And I think that was such a special <laughs> personalized moment. But beyond that, so many of our friends and family know how obsessed like obsession there is around hot chips and french fries and ice cream. With every meal. I remember you have hot chips with every meal. I love those little stories as well. And as you say, people can really respond to the littlest thing. Mm -hmm. After our wedding, it was kind of like a wake up call to many of our friends who are actively planning weddings today Mm -hmm. where they were just questioning like, no, I actually do want to do something a little bit more unique to me. There's so many different couples and types of couples that get married um, that have all different types of backgrounds and sexual identities and gender identities. And you work with everyone, which Mm -hmm. is so incredible. What drew us to you was that you had worked with so many queer couples. And I was wondering from your point of view or your perspective, what are the biggest misconceptions or what are the biggest stereotypes that you feel people think about LGBTQ plus weddings and how they are different or unique in their way? Well, that's such an interesting question. I've got so many thoughts on this. Mm. First of all, I would say that the biggest misconception is that they are big and loud and colourful and flamboyant and over the top. Mm. That would be a, a common misconception. In my experience, I mean, sure, I'm, I'm no doubt, you know, I've no doubt some are. In my experience, they're two people in love mm-hmm. who are trying to navigate this and it's overwhelming. And you know what? It's exactly the same as every other wedding that I'm involved with. So that's what I would say first up is that when I'm marrying two people, I'm marrying two people. Mm. 
any, anyone could be loud and flamboyant. Anyone could be quiet and introverted and want mm. a very intimate wedding. My rule's always been if two people are in love, I'm happy to marry them. Mm. That's my golden rule. As a gay man, I find that when we were planning our wedding, the misconception was that it should be a small wedding. It was covid it was kind of an excuse to do a mini elopement or to have a smaller 20 people wedding just to kind of like brush it up and get it done, you know? So I feel like that and Daniel was, wanted a big wedding. Like I he wanted, wanted a, a big massive fuck off wedding. Like, <laughs> I would have had 200 people in a grand. No, Daniel, that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> I was like, I would just like this, you know, let's just all grab a glass of champagne. We can get married on the beach at sunset and just Aww. have a party like in the moment. And so we found somewhere in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> you did. Well, do you remember we had a discussion about florals? And right. I remember you said to me, we're really not sure what to do about flowers because do two boys have flowers? Like where mm. do we even put them? Do we have some and maybe not? You know, we had that discussion and, and that's when I um, sort of made the introduction to Graham, yeah. the florist that you ended up booking because I felt like he would understand your aesthetic and what mm. your vision might be. Which he did. Um, Mm-hmm. Which he did. He oh my god! The brief, like above and beyond. Graham was amazing. Right. Yeah. Only in, he did such time. a good job at our wedding. We actually like looked around and we were like, we should have spent more money on floral. Yeah, that was because actually what I said the next day. It was so beautiful. <laughs> we were like, <laughs> well, don't tell him that. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But he said so, he did a beautiful job. He did a beautiful job. He, it's it's beautiful, and and I think um, that's really important to have people in your corner who understand what it is that you might not have the words to articulate mm, mm. and give you permission to follow through with with whatever's in your mind. Absolutely. And to give you permission that there are no rules mm. and that whatever you like and whatever you respond to, whatever lights you up and makes you happy, then that's the right thing for you. Well, we actually had to break out of our own stereotypes in our own mind. You sure. know, like we were holding ourselves back and we had to kind of re-educate ourselves about what was possible and what we could really do, mm-hmm. not having to follow what was necessarily expected. Well, here's a question for you though, boys. When you look back on your wedding now, which is um, a year and a bit ago, yeah. Um, do you feel like it represented you? Do you feel like it, it was your... Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have changed any, anything. No. Not a thing. Except getting more floral. <laughs> <laughs> Spending more <laughs> money, Spending Daniel. more oh. cash. Because that's what we need to do, right? <laughs> we'll get to budget in a minute. Um, <laughs> but it was just such a nice process, especially with you being a big part of mm-hmm. that, in finding us vendors and working collaboratively with us to design the wedding we wanted. Ooh. Since LGBT marriage has been approved in Australia in 2017, mm-hmm. was there a change in the industry? And like, is there an ex- some kind of shift that you felt in that time? And it wasn't straight away. Um, well, it kind of was straight away. If I'm honest, if I go back to that beautiful day in December in 2017, after we all cried and got all that out of our systems, the very next day births, deaths and marriages uh, across the country. So the way it works in Australia is we have state births, deaths and marriages mm. that we send our paperwork to, but mm-hmm. we're governed by the federal government. So the Attorney General is our boss, I guess. So we're appointed under the Attorney General's office. They were all racing to change paperwork. Wow. Because for years they'd had bride and groom mm. and all of their paperwork. Really? It and was so bride and groom? Everything was bride, groom and bride. Mm. is how it was. Mm. So it was like, quick, we've got to get this paperwork out because people need to sign paperwork. And obviously it had to go through 
some government legislation, Peter Crosgrove had to get involved and all of those things to get it rubber stamped. And it was funny because all of my celebrant friends in different states, we were all laughing saying, oh, I bet we're going to be last. Oh, we'll be last. You'll have all the paperwork before we do. But, you know, day by day we started to get these emails saying in the next 24 hours you will receive the paperwork you need to use from this date. And here we are. But that was that was the biggest change. That was immediate. Mm. But then the subtle changes that started to happen were about why do we have all girls on the bride's side and all boys on the groom's side, mm-hmm. for example? What, why do we do that? What if someone special to us is is not of that gender? So that started to mix things up straight away. So we started to see a lot of mixed wedding parties or no wedding parties, uh-huh. which is now increasingly common. Mm-hmm. We started to question traditionalism as a whole and then COVID played a massive part in that as well. So I think those are the two key points that have changed weddings in the last sort of six years. I'm sure people 10 years ago have no idea why you put the wedding ring on the left finger. They don't know why um, we have wedding parties and why they're dressed the same, which in traditional times is so that uh, they they protect, say, for example, bridesmaids are all standing there to protect the bride so that if someone's going to come and kidnap the bride, they'll get a, a bridesmaid first. <laughs> Um, and that the the groomsmen all have to stand. Is it yeah? It's on the the right side so that they can draw their swords ready to go in case someone comes to attack the groom. Oh, so wow. when we kind of understand all of that history, we're like, what? Wouldn't we just have our favourites yeah. wearing something they're comfortable in? Mm-hmm. Um, something I've spoken to two of my couples this week about too is about having people sit down so their wedding parties might stand up there for that storytelling aspect and then sit down when they do their vows and their rings to make it truly about the couple mm-hmm. in that moment. I like that. And what about within the wedding industry? Do you feel like that they had embraced the change quickly? Do you feel like there was a lot of talk amongst the industry about, you know, innovating web inquiry forms or language that was being used and, and that type of thing? Did you feel like that changed as well quite quickly? Yes, yes. So I live in a little bubble that all of my celebrant friends, all of my wedding industry friends Mm. were very pro-marriage equality from the beginning. So we were already planning for this. So we would have little like Zoom calls and we would talk about our paperwork and our language and whether we were going to use like person one, person two or party one, party two on our paperwork, for example. We'd already had a lot of those conversations. So language definitely, and we're still continuing to evolve. Mm -hmm. Language is not something that's ever going to stand still, which is great because we work and we deal in the the space of language. Mm -hmm. So that was something we were kind of prepared for and are still, yeah, we're definitely still evolving and we can still do better. I've got to say, I've been at some venues recently where they still have a bridal suite, Mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. Everyone kept saying, oh, what about your bridal party? And I had to keep saying, well, there's no bride. Yes, that's what it's called. But we didn't have, we called it a wedding party, right? But even like a bridal table, we wanted to have that table that our entire wedding party sat at with us. And we were getting quote forms and it was saying bridal table, which we couldn't be like, oh, water off a dove's back. It's okay. But it's really not because we're not a bride. Obviously there has been a way of doing things for so long and then people may have the best intentions at heart, but we did definitely pay more attention to the vendors that Mm. use more inclusive language rather than 
right. language that didn't speak to us. And it was just like instantly, oh, you pay more attention to detail. You know who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. You care a little bit more. Daniel's sister's planning a wedding. She's hyper aware of the language, even though she's getting a bridal table and a bridal suite and she's the bride, you know, but she's quite particular around how people speak about certain things mm. and making sure that things are inclusive, even though they include her. She wants to make sure that they include other people. So I think, think even some brides and some other grooms and other yes. people who are getting married are more mm-hmm. aware of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I like absolutely. And I think that it does show much more than just being attention to detail. It shows that you care and you're trying mm-hmm. and that right there, I mean, that was what six years ago now. So my forms changed the very next day. But then every now and then I see something that we go, oh, well, that doesn't sound right. So mm-hmm. I change it straight away. And it's, and I guess that intention is there to always be right. And we're probably never going to get it right. But I've really learned a lot too. For example, working with some non-binary people in my journey, making sure that that I get pronouns correct and those sorts of things. You're always going to be okay, I think, if your intention is pure mm. and that if you're really trying. But I think if you see businesses that are just kind of still referring to bride and groom now, mm. I mean, that's a big red flag. And it's also so anybody. awkward. Like you go to fill out these web inquiries and it literally says bride and it's like, Daniel? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> what do I put in that? What do I put in that column? You know, it's, yeah. It shouldn't have to be that way. Honestly, it shouldn't be that way. And sometimes it's just pulling people up. You know, that saying when you know better, you do better. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people get so caught up, they just go, oh, yeah, we should change that sign on the door. Mm. They just see it every day and they just don't think. So gently, wherever I can, if I see something, I'll be like, hey, guys, maybe. We could update this when you're doing your next. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, good idea. Mm. So I think that we've still got a long way to go, but I think Melbourne anyway, where where we are, mm. is probably doing okay, you know, overall. That's yeah, awesome. and, I, and I really appreciate and I love how you take on so much responsibility for your work and for your industry and you speak very inclusively for the people that you work with and I think that you do such an incredible job at representing what Mm. everyone should do. It's really beautiful when you have leaders within the industry like yourself who can positively educate and influence others or up and coming celebrants, like people that are thinking about getting into this industry. Do you feel maternal? Yeah, like a mother hand. hand Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do feel the sense of responsibility to, as you, as I said, like when you know better, you do better. I've seen a lot of things happen and change in the last 15 years and I don't think there's any room now for complacency. Mm-hmm. I think if we're going to do this job and work in this industry, we're going to be faced with all kinds of people and all kinds of backgrounds, so we just need to be open and we need to listen. Mm-hmm. That's my number one thing is listen. And I've learned a lot from all of my queer couples and, and will continue to learn little nuances, little things that I can um, pick up and and apply. I, mm. And it's just from listening and not pretending that I know everything. Mm-hmm. But then when I know better and being a leader, simply because of the tenure that I've been around, mm. then people will look to me and, and see what path I'm following and I want to make sure I'm on the right path and I try to be the best ally I can be and by even just having this chat with you today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, an ally is a really strong word because mm. within this month of pride and within the movement of more inclusion and the celebration of authenticity and living an authentic life. 
you are really petitioning and you're advocating and you're communicating in a very public and inclusive way with your couples and with your community and with with the industry. And that's really what an ally is. It's not mm-hmm. just someone who is cool with gays. It's more like someone who is advocating. actively advocating and, mm-hmm. and speaking up and make, making a lot of positive change. And I, I do um, really appreciate that in you. And mm-hmm. even as a gay person, I think that we can always be a better ally to others in general. Um, and we can take a lot of inspiration from you as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so kind. You yeah. blow my mind. That's really beautiful. Something that I do naturally to hear that that lands well is really meaningful. So mm-hmm. thank you. We've been to a lot of fun weddings and you can really tell the difference when someone is creating something that is unique to them. Mm-hmm. And this concept of planning a wedding and thinking about your preparation of what you're putting together, what is the era what is a wedding era? Minimalism would definitely be the era we're in. Mm. But I would say it's also the, can I swear on this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love how I said that. This is really being me being my authentic self here. Love. Is that it's the do whatever the fuck you want era. Mm. Like that's where really I would say we're at. Amen. So aesthetically I think we've gone with the big stuff and now we're kind of really simplicity. But when we go to the heart of it, it's do what you want and be empowered and excited to do what you want. So that throw caution to the wind, family, drama, whatever, you do you. (laughs) Oh, look, if people are going to whinge about what you do at your wedding, then that's on them. Absolutely. Like, honestly, we need more love in the world. Well, how would you, I mean, what advice would you give to one of your couples who need to have potentially a hard conversation with their parents? Ooh, about what they would want to do compared they need to, have to what the, the parents want to do. Um, yes. Okay. So I would have um, a really clear agenda about what, what do you want to discuss with your parents? What are the key things that are non-negotiables for you? Mm-hmm. And maybe have some things up your sleeve that are kind of semi-negotiable. Mm-hmm. But what are the non-negotiables? Mm-hmm. Um, you never want to look back on your wedding day and have regrets. Absolutely. A marriage is between two people. That's at its core. All it is is mm-hmm. some promises between two people. So if you've got your non-negotiables and you can get them across the line, mm-hmm. then maybe there's some other things that you can mm. give up. Yeah. Uh, I also think explain yeah. why it's important to you, know, you and your partner yeah. because it's like we want to do this because this is what it's going to bring or this is the feeling we want or this is the essence yeah. of the day, you know. And potentially the people you're speaking to, these parents, have not had this option. They were in this position where they had to do what their parents expected mm-hmm. of them. Maybe when it's put to them in a really kind way and explained, then, you know, you might be surprised at how quickly they come on board. Absolutely. Um, in a wedding, there's always some things you kind of got to go, oh, well, whatever, mm. whatever, you know, and that goes for anybody, whether yeah. you've got, you know, parental drama or not. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that having a clear, open conversation about why it's important, mm-hmm. it's really hard to argue with that. Yeah. It's really hard to argue when your children are happy and you're seeing them get married their way. Mm-hmm. You know, even people who were the toughest nuts, like the parents in those front rows that I've seen, who are like really against everything and bawling their eyes out in the ceremony. Yeah. That's when I think, wow, that's 
we've created a moment there and mm. they're feeling something. So, so special. So a lot of couples choose to get married and some don't. And I, I know people who've been in relationships for over a decade and nearly two decades and marriage isn't for them, mm-hmm. but they have a beautiful relationship and they have a beautiful future together. So I guess who is marriage for in your mind? And when are people really ready mm. for that step? Naomi's bringing the question on her. <laughs> yeah, wow. You've, that's a really, um, it's a deep question. Mm. I might need a few more wines to really like, get, get this one thought through. I think marriage is for people who want it to be for them. Yeah. And I think now in Australia, anyone who's in love can be married. Mm-hmm. So I think it's as simple as that, really. It's for people who choose that for themselves and who value that. So I think there's lots to be said for for why you choose to be married. I think there's a lot of psychological stuff involved in that. Mm. And even what marriage looks like, like what is a marriage? Like mm-hmm. what can you do and can't you do in a marriage? Even that is really unique. Mm-hmm. Being married doesn't mean you step into a set of rules. It means you step into your rules and what Correct. your marriage is going to look like, mm-hmm. which is another question I ask all of my couples too. What's your marriage going to look like? Tell me about your hopes for the future. We have polyamory. We have all sorts of things that, would potentially step outside a stereotypical marriage Mm -hmm. unit. Mm -hmm. This is a really long-winded answer of saying I think marriage is for whoever in Australia would like to be married. If we continue to see the beauty in love and that love always wins, as corny as that line is, gosh, at the end of the day, love will always win because... Mm -hmm. Who doesn't want more love? Like mm-hmm. it's it's really as simple as that. We love love. And the more love, the better. Well, to all of our listeners who are planning a wedding or thinking about getting married in Australia and especially any of the U.S. listeners who may think about getting married in Melbourne or Sydney by the beach or in a beautiful garden, taking a little adventure across this part of the world. Definitely check out Megan Watson. Marry me, Megan. Uh, Marry me, Megan on <laughs> Instagram. And we'll also include all the links so that you can connect with her and learn a little bit more about her celebrant services that she can help you along with. Thank you so much, boys. Honestly, my cheeks are hurting. What <laughs> divine humans you are. Thank you so, so much. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Modern Gaze. We hope you're enjoying our podcast so far. Make sure that you follow, turn on alerts, and even turn on auto-downloads so that you get our episodes first. Our episodes come out every Tuesday and they stream anywhere podcasts play. 